We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. For instance, Time Warner revenue jumps on Turner and HBO performance. Time Warner is a big media company. They run TNT, CNN, TBS, HBO. The company cited CNN in demand for advertising for the men's basketball tournament, the uh, NCAA tournament, which they spread out onto multiple other properties, TBS, TNT, True TV, and CBS. Um, it was the well, most well-watched NCAA tournament in 22 years. So interesting the way that could kind of play out, right? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Jack Ma imposes an Alibaba hiring freeze. That's kind of odd. In a land where job creation is king, Alibaba has imposed a hiring freeze in the name of efficiency. Elsewhere, we're learning Apple watches aren't working on people with wrist tattoos. What? I just spent $600, and because I have a wrist tattoo, it's not going to work? Interesting. Some of the problems... Uh, that Apple's going to be creating along the ways and seeing how they deal with them will be fun. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Danica Patrick is losing her GoDaddy sponsorship. Families are saving less for college, and they're investing very, very poorly while they're doing it. Last year at this time, 51% of families with children were saving for college. This year, only 48%. Hmm. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. Let's do an email. If you want to email a question to be on the air, send the email chad at newfocusfinancial.com. This one comes to us from, I think, Ron. I'm selling my primary residence for $700,000, purchased it for $250,000. After my $250,000 exemption, do I pay to on the capital gains on the sales amount or on the proceeds minus the selling that he invested into it? Yeah, I think you had another question about an IRS tax lien on the home, too. Yeah, that's complicated. Yeah, I mean, in that kind of a scenario, if you got anything to do with IRS tax lien, and maybe you have some sort of circumstance that could result in maybe a reduction in taxes that you owe, something like that, you need to work with uh, a CPA and probably an attorney as well. 
But the way it works is when you sell a home and you've lived in it for more than two out of the last five years, you can get as a single person $250,000 exemption and then you pay the taxes on. So, so what produces the amount that you've sold it for essentially. Okay. So you're, you're, you're paying the difference on the net minus the 250 that you get the exclusion for free. The rest you're paying federal capital gains and state income tax on. What if he put like, in this case, what if he put like $500,000 down on the house? Are you paying taxes on that? No, you're not paying taxes on your cost basis. Cost and basis. as long as you've lived in it for two out of the last five years, you're not paying taxes on 250 if you're single or 500000 if you're married. I hate seeing these scenarios. Because that's, that's all his assets. You can kind of tell by the, the email that all of his net worth for retirement is tied up in that home. And he wants to make it go as far as possible. So email, chat at newfocusfinancial.com. Next email comes to us from Randy. I'm 64 years old. My wife is 60. Congratulations on marrying a younger woman. <laughs> we both plan on working another six years till I'm 70 until my wife is 66. I could do the math, Ron. Randy, we've got longevity in our families. What's the best strategy for maximizing Social Security benefits? Now, that's a great question because you have two situations. You have two people that are working. And you have an age difference. So maximizing Social Security is a key, and it can actually result, especially if you have longevity in your family, a dollars to $300,000 extra in Social Security over a long period of time of 25, you know, 20 to 30 years. So one of the strategies that they might consider is that when one person retires, they can file and suspend their own benefits. That makes your spouse eligible for spousal benefits. So I would have to run the software that analyze, that maximizes Social Security, but he might want to file and suspend his. She could take a spousal benefit until she turns 70. She could turn her own benefit on, and then he could take his benefit at 70. And that actually gets a lot of money out. And you got to remember in a spousal situation, a married couple, when one person passes away, the small check goes away, and the surviving spouse keeps the larger check. So maximizing Social Security, especially when you have longevity in your family, is very important. Quick question. How much more can you earn, and you can answer this either in percentages or dollars, by delaying five, six, seven, eight years of taking it's about an eight percent return. So if you take it at sixty-two, it's about a thirty-two percent reduction okay. than taking it at your full retirement age. And if you're still working between sixty-two and your full retirement age, which is over sixty-six now for most people, um, you get dinged by Social Security. They actually take money away from you and tax it. Uh, so it's it's when you're looking at the alternative to say, well, should I, you know, delay Social Security and live off some of my cash or my bonds, it's usually a better return right now to delay your Social Security if you have longevity. Gotcha. Got another email? You can drop an email to chat at newfocusfinancial.com. That's chat at newfocusfinancial.com. Why do all the calculators refer to the need for 70% of your income as the number you will need to retire? Are they considering pre-tax or after-tax when they refer to this 70% number? Basically, what they're referring to is rules of thumb that were created in the 80s. In the 80s. This is when, you know, back then, based on where people's income was versus how much the average family received in Social Security at age 65, okay. if you had enough to replace 70% of your income plus you had Social Security, then you're made whole. That's not the case anymore. We've had really not much wage inflation at all. So you've got, that's a horrible rule of thumb. A lot of people spend more money in the first five years of retirement, like I've talked about before, because they're doing all the things that they couldn't do when they were working. So retirement planning, especially within your five to ten years, is very important to do very detailed cash flow projections. How much are you really going to spend? What's going to get you out of bed and motivate you to get out of bed in retirement? What are you passionate about, your hobbies? 
and really make a clear list about and try to, those issues. And try to stick with that too. Yeah, you've got to monitor it. Each year you got to say, how much did I spend versus what I projected? And how did my portfolio do versus what I projected? Am I on track to be able to do a raise to keep up with inflation? I imagine my video game expenditures will go up when I retire because I've been delaying playing video games for so many years that I'm going to want to catch up. Yeah, and then your ibuprofen costs are going to go up from the arthritis in your thumbs from playing video games. Oh, that's not why I have start. arthritis in my thumbs. <laughs> I don't want to know why you have arthritis in your thumbs then. Drop him an email, chad at newfocusfinancial.com. That's chad at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. Drop me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's rob at robblack.com. Again, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, some of the big stories out there, should I buy Twitter? Twitter stock is getting beaten up today and yesterday. Um, I, I don't want it. To me, they either have a CEO problem or an execution problem, or just maybe not the platform that people want it to be for advertising. Um, where they are now, they should be much further ahead of as far as execution goes. I think you'll see the stock move higher on two things. When they cut their CEO, Dick Costello, and when and if there's rumors to the company be acquired. It's a wonderful platform in many ways. They're just not monetizing it in any way, shape, or form the way they should. In the first quarter, Twitter reported revenue growth of 74% and user growth of 18%. In the fourth quarter, it was uh, revenue growth of 97%, so a big, big drop-off. Fast. Now, again, those are big numbers. We sometimes give a little bit of wiggle room for big numbers. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We'll take a break here. Be right back. Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. 800-516-1220. America's sexiest woman was just named, and I sadly tell you, it's not Bruce Jenner. Isn't that just odd, that whole Bruce Jenner story? Um, and the whole Kardashian clan, you kind of trust them or don't trust them? Would you watch a reality show with a man becoming a woman? I just find it odd, the whole interview. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. So some of the stories out there, U.S. economy grew at an anemic two-tenths of a percent pace. It's got good news and bad news in it. The bad news is, well, the economy is weak, and that doesn't create a lot of job growth in the first quarter. We'll find out more about that coming in the first Friday of the month. 
Um, we did this last year where our first quarter was weak, and then we had a good second, third, and fourth quarter. Not great. Okay, second, third, and fourth quarter. Pending home sales rose. What? Okay, so an anemic growth basically should have the Fed Reserve saying, you know what, we're not going to raise interest rates anytime soon. Thank you very much. Please, please, please don't ask that question again. <clears throat> we'll see. They're coming out with a statement this morning, 11 o'clock Pacific time. Spring is, breaking in, spring is bringing in more buyers for homes. So there's some economic activity unlocking there. Signed contracts to buy existing homes rose 1.1% in March from an upwardly revised February reading. It's at a nice level. Not great. Not awful. Nice. Seinfeld reruns and Fear the Walking Dead are both coming to Hulu. Now, that's a pretty big win for Hulu. The show about nothing, Seinfeld, is making a whole lot of something. Hulu Wednesday announced a deal for streaming rights to 180 episodes of the classic sitcom, which aired from 1989 to 1998. Um, a very long time. Samsung profit falling. Samsung reported a 39% drop in first quarter net profit. Its fourth straight quarter of declines on slowing smartphone sales. Anything more interesting to note about that? Probably not. NFL is going to end its tax-exempt status. The move is aimed at eliminating a distraction where people go, why is a company that pulls in $10 billion a year not paying taxes? So they came out with a fancy press release yesterday saying, you know what, it's ultimately going to be a push for us because we'll have more write-offs, blah, 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 blah. Consumers just say, it's, and again, it's to take a little heat off. Uh, congressmen get asked that question on a regular basis. If you know these players are getting concussions, what are the owners doing about it, and why is there so much money for the league? Consumers are just saying no to spending their gas savings. This is a part of that GDP story. Remember how I told you GDP wasn't great? Consumers aren't really spending. I get to the point where, and I'm kind of tired of saying this because I feel like I'm a nag. I'm consuming a lot less these days. Um, and that's one of the reasons, like, why I do a show and I talk about the millennials, because old people consume a lot less than younger people do. So I'm officially that old person. Now, I have friends who spend like drunken sailors. They drink like drunken sailors. They spend like drunken sailors. I'm not really sure. I've never really met a drunken sailor, I don't think. But um, I do have friends who spend and... I was stunned recently. Um, a friend was, you know, looking at flights, and he basically chose a four hundred dollar flight to Denver. I'm like, you can fly Frontier for two hundred. He's like, ah, I don't like Frontier. I get not liking Frontier. It's one of the worst airlines. But do you penalize them that much? I mean, two hundred four saving two hundred bucks is a lot of money if you're taking a family of three or four, which he is. Worthy of note. Some people just like spending money. Again, I'm not cheap to the point of excess, but I uh, I don't know. I'd rather drink a six-pack of beer at home than, than buy a overpriced beer at a bar. And in your 20s, you're like, let's go to the bar. So I look good. Do I look good? I look good. I know you're saying, I know you're saying, 
Rob, get to the story. Get to the story. Um, 800-516-1220 get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. My producer mocked me and said, we got our two calls of the week already. Stop asking for calls. Damn. Truth, truth hurts, huh? Other stories to cycle through. Um, families are saving less for college. And this is bad news for junior. Um, say you're 12 years old. You probably have to pay for your own college. Only 48% of parents are saving for their kids' college, and they're doing a really bad job of it, too, which is not surprising. Last year, it was about 51% of families were saving for college. But again, doing a really bad job. Trying to hit home runs. Home run! Sprint Cup driver Danica Patrick's going to lose her primary sponsor and longtime benefactor next season as GoDaddy's not returning to NASCAR. Will you miss the Danica Patrick commercials? Time Warner Revenue jumps on Turner, HBO Performance. Time Warner, the media company that owns HBO and TNT, said income fell because costs ramped up. But strong performances from TNT, CNN, TBS, and HBO. Jack Ma has imposed um, Jack Ma has imposed a hiring freeze at Alibaba. This is a fast-growing internet company. They're going to compete with Amazon. They're going to compete with, um, you know, everyone. They're thought to be coming to Silicon Valley in a big way with companies that they're going to acquire. Why is he doing a hiring freeze? We're learning that Apple Watches don't work with people with wrist tattoos. That is intriguing. <laughs> like, that's some bad PR. It's not horrible, but that's some bad PR. Apple has the technology to do some really, really cool things in the Apple Watch, um, including some biometric stuff that they would have to go to the FDA to get medical device approval on. And you don't know if they're going to do it in the second generation, if they're going to take their time with it. But uh, one of the things that I was reading with some of the medical device applications like blood pressure, they were having problems getting it consistent with people who had dark skin. So now we see that the dark tattoo messes up the sensor. Will there be a workaround? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. You can tweet me, Rob Black Show. YouTube me, Rob Black Show. We'll take a break here. Be right back. I know what you're trying to say, baby. You're trying to say, oh, yeah, it's business time. Big day for the economy. Uh, I see at least three big stories out there. How are you, Dr. Jeff? Oh, pretty good. How about yourself? Good. The first big story I see, tell me if it's a big story or not, the economy grew at an anemic two-tenths of a percent pace in the first quarter. Is it a rerun of last year where we start off weak, we finish strong, or is this the beginning of the end? It's, it's a rerun of every year for the last five or six years. We've had, you know, relatively bad first quarters and then, you know, stronger 
second, third quarters, somewhat, you know, all right, fourth quarters, and then the cycle continues. You know, it, there's really no rhyme or reason for it. You know, there can be a lot of people blaming weather conditions. You heard a lot of people blaming the port strike. You know, these are transitory problems, but the fact of the matter is, you know, economic consensus values have been, you know, overestimating actuals for quite a while now, meaning we've had a lot of negative surprises. And this was just one of them, you know, just a continued poor performance, you know, as the consensus, you know, fails to see that um, the economy isn't as strong as they believe. Anything else that we need to hit on the GDP? Do you expect the numbers to be revised higher in the next two months or too early to tell? It's too early to tell. I mean, if you go by past experiences, uh, you know, it'll likely be revised lower. Uh, we won't get a real good idea really until the uh, trade numbers come out. That'll be the big swing factor, I think. And if we see uh, an upward or downward revision, personally, I had trade a little bit stronger than it was. So, you know, that could, you know, if, if my view turns out to be correct, you'd have a, a little bit of an uptick. But still, I mean, we're not talking, you know, growth of 2% after revisions. We're talking growth of, you know, maybe, you know, at best 07 to 1% which just feeds into the idea that, you know, growth in the first quarter was slow. Talking to Dr. Jeff Rose, Chief Economist at Briefing.com, the second big story that I'm seeing is tied towards housing. And the numbers that we got out today, pending home sales, rose 1.1% in March. Inside the numbers that I saw, there appears to be an increase in traditional buyers versus buyers paying cash, i.e. the investors. That's a good thing because it gets people in that home for the long term with the low rates. Um, how did you read the, the home sales numbers today? Well, I mean, the pending numbers don't give you too much of insight. You know, it basically tells you that contracts are signed, but you never know if contracts are going to be fulfilled. I mean, the, the relationship now is much better than it was, you know, during the Great Recession. We had a lot of contracts signed that were never fulfilled, but, you know, it's still a point where, you know, I, I don't read the, the gain as an automatic gain in, in sales. Still, you know, it was, you know, exactly what we expected. Uh, things are improving very slightly. There's still a lot of problems with supply constraints that are preventing growth from uh, really accelerating. There's concerns that if the Fed raises rates uh, in the near term and mortgage rates start increasing, you know, you could have a, you know, a divergence in sales. So it could be that people are rushing into the market today because they're afraid that rates may go up, uh, you know, in the near future, which makes logical sense. So if you put it all together, I mean, it's a good number. Uh, the underlying details are all right. There's nothing wrong with it, but I don't know if it's a, a sustainable gain yet or if it's just, you know, kind of movements as people, uh, you know, try to get in ahead of, of rate moves. So you have to give it a couple more months to see how that plays out. But, you know, right now, the fact of the matter is, you know, sales are getting stronger, not a lot stronger, but slightly stronger. The final big piece of news that is out there today is the Federal Reserve. Does the first quarter GDP numbers give the Federal Reserve reason to say, again, we're not raising interest rates? It'll come, but we're not going to do it yet. Um, how did the two stories kind of merge together? Well, if the Fed is data dependent, the data is clearly not on the side of an increase in rates. I mean, you have low inflation, you know, 
GDP deflator was, uh, you know, 0.1 percent. I want to say today, which is next to nothing. You know, if you look at uh, PCE inflation, consumer inflation, you know, that was negative, which is why uh, the consumption, uh, real consumption growth, is actually positive. If you looked at the nominal numbers, nominal GDP is so stripping out. Uh, the calculation for inflation was negative, meaning consumers spent less this month than they did, or this quarter than they did last quarter, out of their pockets. You know, th those aren't good signs. You know, you're, you're anticipating, you know, some kind of growth somewhere, but it's not in the GDP numbers. I mean, real final sales were negative. You know, really the only thing that kept GDP positive then in the first quarter was inventory growth. Inventories ebb and flow so that, you know, if you get a gain one quarter, you tend to get a negative number the next. So assume, uh, you know, a negative 0 0.8 or so uh, reduction in um, inventories. You know, we're not in a, you know, so-called accelerating cycle where we would expect rates to rise. That said, you know, the Fed's known about these numbers for quite a while. Nothing of this was new, and we were predicting 0.4% growth. The Atlanta Fed has a, uh, an indicator that they release, you know, almost every week called its GDP Now forecast, which uses their own modeling. Now, they claim not to uh, be the actual Atlanta Fed uh, GDP forecast, but I don't understand why they would release it if it's not. And that number was only at 0.1% for Q1. So it's not a surprise to the Fed in any means. So yeah, if you look at it all, yeah, I mean, this is what we saw. Is the Fed going to react to it? Probably not too much because they've known about it. We've known about it. You know, the market's been known about it. Uh, I think the bigger point is look at inflation trends and look at employment trends, and both of those are still weak. And if you look at that, there's no reason to expect the Fed to move ahead on uh, on a rate hike in the near in the near future. There's a story out there tied towards consumers just saying no to spending gas savings. Do you think that was tied towards the winter weather in the first quarter, or do you think consumers are getting better about paying down debt? Or is this just one of those stories that's kind of made up on the fly and uh, Americans will spend their paycheck? Trust me, it'll happen. Paycheck to paycheck, we, we live. I mean, what we saw is an increase in the savings rate. You know, is the savings rate going to paying down debt? Possibly. Is it going to be held in savings accounts? Possibly. What we know is that, you know, the savings from lower gas prices didn't, you know, go into consumption. And we know that because income increased, but the nominal number of, of spending decreased. So, just adding up the, you know, those two factors, you get a you get a positive increase in the savings rate. You know, I don't like it. You know, you'll have people, you know, say that Americans need to save more. That's possible. You know, you can make that argument. However, if you look at trends based on, uh, you know, asset to debt ratio or income to debt ratio, uh, in in totality. You know, you could have a lower savings rate based on what our debts are currently at, based on what our asset wealth is currently at, based on what our income level is currently at. There's no need to have such an increase in savings. So the increase in savings is actually destructive to economic growth. And, you know, that's a problem going forward. How do you have, you know, the necessary income gains in the future if people aren't willing to spend current gains? You know, you have less demand you have less everything so 
you know, it, it's not good for the economy. It's not good for what it is. Uh, but, you know, reality is consumers saved more. You know, why they did it, I don't know. Should they have done it? Not in my opinion. So I'm talking with Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com. Is there anything that you want to tip in as we're down to our final minute, minute and a half? Any extras that you want to throw out there for us? Well, I thought it was interesting today to see that the uh, the German Bund has, has moved quite a bit. The 10-year is now at, uh, you know, I think 30 basis points. And it's kind of funny. I mean, it, it, it moved, it's a big move in relative terms because we were at uh, 0.5, or sorry, 5 basis points, you know, only a week or two ago. But if you look at it in terms of, you know, investing. If you invested in the German Bund today, it would take you 231 years to double your money. If you invested it at uh, five basis points, it'd take you almost 1,400 years to double your money. These rates are are tiny. You know, it, it looks big. It's getting a lot of press coverage, but in terms of investment decisions, you know, at 30 basis points, the German Bund isn't worth uh, putting your money in. Thanks very much. That's Dr. Jeff Rosen, Chief Economist with Briefing.com, a reliable source of information on domestic and international markets, a full-fledged site with trading ideas, with trending ideas, with technical breakouts, economists, strategists, and much, much more. It's where I start my day every day, Briefing.com. We'll take a break here. Um, but when we come back on the show, I'll wrap up and try to put some perspective on what's moving and why in the stock market. Again, we've seen a little bit of a change into the guard recently and what's working and not working on Wall Street. There seems to be a little bit of a push towards value. Today, it's towards financials. First quarter GDP report you know, should leave the Fed saying, um, we're on hold. But could there be a shocking twist in the statement they could it's what makes wall street wall street i'll take a break here we'll be right back So there's an article today called Survival of the Fittest, and it's an article in the Wall Street Journal talking about choosing a smart watch versus a fitness band. And the up three, the Jawbone up three, has some really good software. I use an up band and just tracks my steps. And there's a lot of medical reports out there that say if you move 10,000 steps a day, you're likely to get benefits to your heart. So I move 10,000 steps a day or darn near close. It's about six miles. My thought is maybe you were just meant to be a walker kind of thing. Um, the up three is replacing the up 24 or the up two. And I was looking forward to it, but the reviews are basically saying it doesn't do what it's supposed to do. 
So I'm waffling right now. Do I get the Apple Sport Watch at 390 bucks, or do I get an up three at 180, or do I stick with what I have that's already paid for that was 120? Uh, I tend to find there's a coworker that I work with that uh, she has the band as well, and like I get to watch her, and it's kind of weird because she sees what time I wake up, she sees how much activity I have when. Like you kind of see the same thing. Um, fortunately, that's all I'm seeing, if you know what I'm saying. Um, but the article is really basically saying the smartwatch is killing off the fitness track or faster than thought. And I have no loyalty to my fitness tracker. I like it, but I'm all about the hardware. And if I hear reviews tell me that Apple's watch, and if anyone wants to drop me an email who has an Apple watch, if you want to say, hey, the heartbeat thing is all that in a bucket of chicken, that'd be great. Because the reviews, they're not really focusing on the fitness angles. The only reason I want an Apple Watch is potentially for the fitness applications. I don't need messages telling me, you know, anything. Um, there's also news out there today that an Apple stylus for the iPhone is being developed. There's been a couple patents. Um, do we need a stylus? Most people are going to instantly say no, but for some industries, business, a stylus makes a lot of sense. Um, a lot of people, you know, think it's a rubbish idea. Steve Jobs hated the stylus device, and he was once famously quoted as saying, as soon as you see a stylus, you're dead. Um, even though Apple once had a product called Newton that came with a stylus. But Apple's filed two patents for a stylus already recently. And if you talk to people in the iStore like analysts do, two or three will say that, yeah, they would want a stylus. You, you know, do the math and suddenly you've got 500, 600,000 people that would want it. Uh, it's mainly graphic designers and business users. It's probably not for the bedroom. A lot of people read the iPad in the bedroom. Apple's new partnership with IBM is, you know, all about businesses creating hundreds of custom business enterprise apps for companies who want their staff to manage their work or their sales accounts on iPads. You can't use an iPad if you require, if your work requires gloves, but you could use a stylus. Um, I don't know. I'm not betting the, I'm not betting all in on it because Apple's too big now to really introduce something that's not that's going to be product shifting the question is can they continue to develop their ecosystems so they keep people and um, I gotta be careful how I say this they keep coming using a word in their conference calls shifters shift shift shifters shifters um, that's people who are shifting from you know Android and getting the Apple product I'm one of those people um, I'm not saying I wouldn't give up on Apple, but it does make it darn convenient in, when everything's in one ecosystem. Buffalo Wild Wings shares are getting smoked today, down 15%. Uh, disappointing first quarter. Quarterly revenue jumped 19%, but that was lower than analysts expected by about 12 million. Comparable same-store sales jumped 7%, but below expected 8.6%. Listen to this. A 41% jump in the cost of chicken wings put the squeeze on profit margins. When your business is called Buffalo Wild Wings, and you sell wild wings, chicken wings, a 41% jump in the cost is going to hurt you. The bird flu, 
is problematic for a company that sells edible birds. Um, and the whole restaurant industry is panicked because meat costs have risen so much in the last year, you're starting to see every restaurant do chicken wings. Um, and they're not going to change their menu immediately just for you or just because of the spike. It's going to take time. And uh, if meat costs are jacking up and now chicken costs are jacking up, what protein will we eat? Um, it's a problem for Buffalo Wild Wings. So uh, that's where the bird flu is. And if you notice, or if you want to give me credit, you don't have to. But I talked about this earlier this week, about the winners and losers from the chicken flu. The chicken flu, or maybe it was last Thursday. Um, 800-516-1220 to get your call on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Uh, taking a look at the markets. Mm, not much going on. So not hot, not cold. Like I said, we're kind of in this consolidation period. We're doing a little bit of rolling corrections, i.e. some sectors are getting hit, but nothing crazy. Um, the first quarter GDP is the story of the day. Germany suffered a weak auction for their bonds. Lackluster demand triggered a wave of selling across European bond markets. whole lot of earnings news um, after the markets. Um, yesterday, you saw Twitter disappoint and Twitter get crushed. Buffalo Wild Wings disappoint and Buffalo Wild Wings get crushed. That's an overpriced market and how does it fix itself? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.